1: Visit RobertHalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh. <laughs> and first pitch crushing. Deep left field. This is walk-off. Walk. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
0: becomes real. Now,
1: here's Frank, Scott, and Chris.
0: What's up and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball. Today on Wednesday, August 9th, I am Frank Sample, joined by Scott White. Today on the show, Logan Gilbert just had the best start of his career. That is not hyperbole, it was the best. We got some double dongs, some pitching duels, and much more. Before we get started, help us out by liking this video and subscribing on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. Let's jump in. Wow! Hey now! Hey now! Hey now! All right, Scott, I'm going to take this one first and foremost because... uh, It is... It is the
1: Olive Garden breadstick. You should have it. The Please breadstick. have it, Frank.
0: I haven't had the breadstick in a while. I've given you a lot of breadsticks this season, uh, I Scott. I know so. you've been
1: on like Atkins or something. <laughs>
0: uh, let's talk about Logan Gilbert. Again, seven shutout innings, one hit allowed, zero walks, a career-high 12 strikeouts up against the San Diego Padres. He had 15 swinging strikes on 100 pitches, four. Uh, four or more swinging strikes on three different pitches, the fastball, the slider, and the splitter, uh, limited the hard contact in this one. Velocity was up a little bit, the fastball up nearly a mile per hour, the splitter up 1.3 miles per hour in this start. Uh, He did fade his slider a little bit, but a few more fastballs and splitters, it all seemed to work well together, Everything was awesome here for Logan Gilbert. Um, and you know, Scott, all season, the underlying numbers have looked a little bit better than the actual numbers. 344 FIP, that's 14th best among qualified starting pitchers. A 20.7% K minus walk rate. That is 12th among qualified starting pitchers. So everything has kind of pointed at Logan Gilbert actually being better than he has been all season. And now maybe it's just kind of falling into place. Your thoughts.
1: Yes, so certainly early in the year, it looked like he was uh, underperforming his expected stats by quite a bit. You'll remember the strikeout rate really did stand out early on for Logan Gilbert. His first 10 starts, he had 10.4K per nine. But this has kind of gone overlooked over the course of his season. So yeah, 10.4K per nine over his first 10 starts. Next 12 starts, 7.3K per nine. He stopped being a strikeout pitcher for basically, well, for more than half a season so far, 12 starts versus 10. So it's encouraging to see him have the start just for that reason, getting the, the, the 12 strikeouts, which it's a career high, right? You said it's his best start? Yep. So, yeah, that's, that's encouraging to see in its own right. I do think he's been kind of difficult to figure out because even though he started out with a great strikeout rate, and it, it slipped to a pedestrian strikeout rate. The ERA has kind of held steady the whole time. It stayed in the high threes the whole time. It was a little worse during the, the lower strikeout span of time, but um, he's, he's been kind of as effective in a real-world sense regardless of whether the strikeouts have been there. I don't know what to take away from that. I mean, pitching as a whole has been very difficult to figure out this year, but I think getting strikeouts is better than not getting strikeouts. So (laughs) if nothing else, I'm taking away from this start for Logan Gilbert that it's nice to see he still has the strikeouts in him.
0: Yes. And uh, just checking up on the rankings here, you know, we're both going to be updating over the next couple of days. We had some injuries, so I think we're going to have some uh, shuffling around in the starting pitcher ranks. But we still do have Logan Gilbert as a low-end SP2, right around SP24 in both of our rankings. Did you, by the way, Scott, see Julio Rodriguez's catch in that game? No. He robbed Fernando Tatis of a home run that was hit 410 feet in a, a 990 expected batting average. Uh, if you go on my Twitter and pull it up, I encourage everyone to check it out. He kind of deeks everybody. He's like, oh, crap, I didn't catch it. And then he's like, Ten seconds later, he's like, "Hey, I got the ball." So it was, it was like actually a really cool moment there, uh, for Julio Rodriguez. Did it against Fernando Tati. So some you know superstar on superstar stuff there, and it was a pretty cool moment. So uh, I do recommend checking it out. Scott, you are up. Your player of the night.
1: All right, I'm gonna go with Nolan Jones. No East Coast bias here tonight. Nolan <laughs> Jones had a big game. He homer twice on a two for four day, and that. It's worth pointing out, continues a nice little turnaround for him here in August. Uh, I know he had a four hit game earlier in the month. And overall, uh, is, uh, if I could pull it up here real quick. Yeah, oh, he's hitting better. He's hitting better. He's got, I, I mean, if you just look at his overall stats, Nolan Jones, they still look very strong. Uh, 280 batting average, 871 OPS, 11 home runs, and uh, right around uh, 200 plate appearances. And interestingly, he's been even better on the road than at home. I mean, his exit velocity readings are so good that maybe that shouldn't be a surprise. Does strike out too much, and maybe that'll remain a part of his profile. Maybe that will help to prolong the streakiness for Nolan Jones. But the point is he hasn't gone anywhere. And there's still a lot of potential in that bat and a very favorable hitting environment. And in fact, there are even fewer threats to his playing time now because the Rockies moved CJ Cron and Randall Gritchick both in the same deal at the deadline. Two players who uh, played positions that Nolan Jones is capable of playing. So when he first kind of slipped, In terms of production, when he first started slumping a bit, he was losing playing time for the Rockies. Now he's getting it back again. The bat's coming around. Less risk of losing it moving forward. At one point, his roster rate was up over 80% in CBS Sports Leagues. Now he's pretty available again. And I think it's time to give him a second look if you gave up the first time. Nolan Jones actually available in more than 50% of CBS Sports Leagues.
0: And on top of that, he's got six games next week. All of them are at home in Coors Field. It is uh, weird that he has performed better on the road so far than in Coors Field, but you'd have to imagine that over the long haul that will uh, even itself out and he'll start to hit better in Coors Field as well. So I do like those games uh, next week in Colorado for Nolan Jones. He was one of three hitters with a double dong here on Tuesday. Scott, one other name I wanted to kind of compare to him Joey Manessis, two for five, hit those two home runs. And uh, he's on a bit of a power surge here since the start of July. 31 games for Joey Manessis, hitting 273 with nine home runs and 24 RBI in 31 games. It's you know, pretty solid. It's not really supported by like the stat cast numbers. And there's too many ground balls during this time, but he's doing mm-hmm. it. So,
1: what do you think, Scott? Who would you rather have, Nolan Jones or Joey Manessis? I mean, definitely Jones. Jones' skill indicators are off the charts, and obviously he's got the hitting environment going for him at Coors Field. Uh, Manessis may end up being a better source of batting average. There's a big difference in strikeouts between the two. You mentioned he has nine home runs during this stretch, Manessis. That's of 11 home runs total, so it's, (laughs) it's basically all of his power production for the year. And even during this power surge for Manessis, His average exit velocity has been, uh, I think, 88 miles per hour. Yeah, Yeah. 88.5 miles per hour, uh, not including today's game. So it's actually lowered his average exit velocity for the season. And if you want a comparison, when Manessas was so good down the stretch last year, his average exit velocity then was 91.4 miles per hour. So still a big difference. I I think he's... I think he's proven to be more of a contact hitter who will occasionally send one out of the the yard this year more than than the the middle-of-the-order bat that he looked like he might be last year. Mm -hmm.
0: I would agree. Uh, I would take uh, Nolan Jones as well. Uh, One thing, just philosophically, for a young player who struggles for an entire month like he did in July, to start August off and and get hot here for Nolan Jones. I like to see that, the struggles and the bounce back and make adjustments and get back on track. I think it's it's a good indicator for a young player. So uh, pretty optimistic here about uh, Nolan Jones so far in the month of August. Oh my goodness gracious, got a moment that I wanted to highlight here. Kyle Tucker versus Felix Bautista. Ninth inning of that game, crazy stuff. Playoff atmosphere, Astros, Orioles, probably gonna meet at some point in the postseason. The Astros are down three with the bases loaded. Kyle Tucker, nine pitch at bat, which ends in a grand slam. Go ahead, grand slam off of arguably the best closer in baseball right now. So that was just crazy game. Kyle Tucker has, you know, I, I think back in May or June, you look at the season long line. It was underwhelming for a first round pick. All of a sudden, he's up to 20 homers, 24 steals, 297 batting average. And he's had an awesome season, Scott.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's what you have to remember with players of this caliber, and you really have to remember with all players is that it's a long season, and their production over the course of that season isn't going to be steady. And so, if you pick out any point in time over the course of six months, uh, you may what their numbers are at that point. It may be, uh, you know, you're asked to guess. Okay. Kyle Tucker on May 30th, this is his numbers, but you're not told what player it is. Guess what player it is. You're, you're, you're probably going to have a low success rate with that game. <laughs> and so it's important to keep that in mind because there was a lot of doom and gloom over Kyle Tucker earlier in the year, even though his stat cast numbers remained strong throughout. I think it's also worth pointing out the skill indicators were strong throughout. Uh, yeah, the, the Felix Bautista, you look at his line for today... And it looks like just a total meltdown. Four run runs in two thirds of an inning. His ERA coming out of it is only one fifty two because it was zero point eight two going in. Wow, which shows you just how amazing he's been. And and by the way, his velocity was up one to two miles per hour on everything in this outing. So it's not like it's not like he, you know, it's not like something seemed wrong with him. If anything, maybe he was too amped up for the. The playoff like atmosphere, as you said, Frank.
0: Just to put it in perspective, how good Felix Bautista has been this season in a head to head points league where typically closers, that's not their best format. He has more fantasy points than Spencer Strider this year. Felix Bautista is the highest scoring reliever in fantasy baseball. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. He, he's been that good. You know, I have Strider ranked as my SP one, and Felix Bautista has been better than him. That's that's pretty crazy to, to I put think that in for, perspective.
1: I think Strider's last outing changed that because as yeah. of a week ago it was the reverse. And I know Strider scored negative in his last outing. Obviously, it wasn't wasn't pretty against the Pirates. No.
0: No, it wasn't. But
1: yeah, no, I mean, Bautista has been great. I think he's the best closer in baseball and fantasy. I would I would claim that. I mean, his K per nine rate, what is it? It's it's over 18, right? It's not just that he's managed to avoid giving up runs. He's dominated in every way a closer can.
0: 17.55 K per nine for uh, right. for Felix Batsis. But yeah, he's he's uh, right there. Obviously, again, a rough outing here, but he still has been awesome this entire season. We spoke about two players with the double dongs earlier and Nolan Jones and Joey Manessas. Kyle Schwarber also did it in game one of their doubleheader. And uh, he had five RBI in that game too. You know, you look at the counting stats, Scott, 30 homers, 68 runs, 72 RBI, all fine for Kyle Schwarber. He's on pace for right around 100 runs scored, right around 100 RBI. He's batting 183. What is going on with this batting average this year? It's You know, Mm -hmm. you look into it, the quality of contact, it's down a little bit, you know, I guess across the board. It's still really good compared to other power hitters. It's just it's down compared to, you know, 48 home run Kyle Schwarber from last year. But it still seems probably unlucky that he's hit 183 to this
1: point. Well, yes. But we were also saying it seemed unlucky that he was hitting that he hit 218 last year. True. And that we thought he'd correct up from there,
0: especially so- with the new rules. Right. We thought, you know, that might help Kyle Schwarber. But
1: Yeah. It's helped some players. It hasn't seemed to help Schwarber. And in early August, I don't know how much I'm counting on his batting average improving. I mean, it seems like it can only go up, right? And he's providing so much power that I don't know that you're basing starter sit decisions on it. I think you're just starting Schwarber regardless of what his batting average is. But it is something to keep in mind for next year you have to think of Schwarber as a a severe liability in that category. When I wasn't approaching him as such going into this year, I was happy to get him in round four everywhere. By the way, it's also just kind of like the traditionalist in me. The fact that a player batting 183 with 30 home runs is hitting leadoff is just... (laughs) Like if you brought somebody from nineteen ninety-two, you 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 sent them forward in time, thirty-one years, and 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 they saw this, they'd like lose their mind because it's just <laughs> their head would so, their head would explode or something. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh the game has
0: definitely changed, you know. Uh, I guess along those lines, Jorge Soler moved up to the leadoff spot here on Tuesday. Actually had a great game. He went three for three. I think hit his twenty-eighth home run of the
1: season. No. <laughs> and, and Schwarber's reaching base at a 324 clip, which isn't great, but it's right. a lot better than you expect with that batting average. You know, it's kind of crazy. I'm looking
0: at Max Muncy right now, too. Almost mirror images between Muncy and Schwarber this year. Muncy batting 192. he He's got 27 homers, 63 runs, 73 RBI. His BABIP is 182. Both of their BABIPs are under 200 this year. It's a lot of fly balls, a lot of infield pop-ups, too. I mean, those are... Automatic outs, right? So, oof, it's uh, yeah. I think we got to consider that with both of those players at this point in their careers is severe, severe batting average liabilities for both Max Muncie and Kyle Schwarber. Let's get back into some waiver wire hitters, and uh, we we put Joe uh, Nolan Jones up against Joy Manessas. I have another kind of duo here. I guess you know utility type bats, guys that you can move around on your team. Wilmer Flores has been. Awesome so far in the second half. He had his 15th home run of the season. He's got his overall batting average up to 310. He's got a 919 OPS. First, second, third base eligibility. And Brandon Drury was having a pretty good season before he went down with injury. He came back recently and uh, had a big game here on Tuesday, three for five with his 15th home run. Uh, Scott, if you're just picking one up to move around on your team, maybe just uh, fill out your depth, would you rather have Wilmer Flores or Brandon Drury?
1: You know, I wouldn't mind going with the hot hand if that was, if if it was just a fill in play for you. And I think for most of the audience, that would be the case. I don't. While both of these guys uh, can be productive for stretches, and you know, they've they've obviously shown twenty homer power in the past. I don't think they quite rise to the level of being must roster across the board in fantasy. Roto leagues with the extra line of spots is one thing, but you know, standard head to head league. They're probably just plug and play as needed. So I'd, I'd, I'd go with the hot hand. I, it does seem likely that Flores will help you a little more in batting average if that's something you need. He has sat out two of the Pirates' last uh, six games, it looks like. Seven games. Giants. Two of the Pirates. or <laughs> Giants. Two of the Giants' last seven games, yeah. I don't, know. I don't know how that lines up with the Pirates' schedule, but he sat out two of the Giants' <laughs> last seven games, and for most of his time there has been a part-time player. So that's something to keep in mind. Drury might have a little bit of a playing time advantage.
0: Wilmer Flores, by the way, I mentioned he's crushing it in the second half. I didn't provide those numbers. 3.95 batting average, 7 homers, a 12.16 OPS in 21 games here in the second half for Wilmer Flores. But the uh, you know, he is barreling the ball up. I'm looking at some of the stack numbers here, but 87 mile per hour, average exit velocity in the second half. I think I'd just go with him as well uh, with the hot hand. It's not like, you know, brain Jury's fine, right. um, but it's not really supported, I guess, by uh some batted ball data yeah. here for Wilmer Flores.
1: I mean, I think he's just hot, which happens yeah. to players. Uh, we have a pretty long track record of, for, for Wilmer Flores who's 32 years old now. This is his 11th major league season. And I doubt he's, I doubt he's uncovered something new in his skill set. I think he's just hot, but he's versatile, and you know, at times there's nothing wrong with playing the hot hand. Last week when Ha-Sung Kim, uh, it wasn't clear if he was going to play because he was banged up. I forget exactly what he had, and, and he did end up playing. But for the start of the week, I set my lineup by by uh, plugging in Wilmer Flores over him in a shallow league. And... Ultimately, Kim had the better week, but you know, that's that's a scenario where it might make sense to use for us. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's talk about Orlando Arcia, who went three for five with his 12th home run,
0: and uh, he's back up over 300 batting average for the season. He's got those 12 homers and 822 OPS. He's also playing very well so far in the second half, 61% rostered, could be out there in some shallower leagues. And now I'm looking at other roster rates for middle infielders in this range. And I kind of feel like Orlando Arcia. I guess we can't really trust roster rate too much, right? This point of year, Scott, because, you know, some people just check out when it gets to August and, but it kind of feels like Orlando Arcia should be more than 61% roster. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make.
1: Well, I think it's still a little early to say that roster rate isn't going to fluctuate much. Yeah. Some people have tuned out, but less than you, probably think
0: don't tune out listen to the podcast
1: (laughs) but to address the actual gist of your question is 61% too low for Orlando Arcia I don't know because his RBI and run production for for as good as he's been with batting average and providing decent power and playing in the second best lineup in baseball I think the Braves are statistically going by run scored it's really uh, underwhelming and that's helping to keep his value down. So um, I think he's fine if, again, as an emergency situation, if you need a shortstop, need a second baseman, plug in Orlando Arcia. you could do a lot worse. But in terms of points per game, He's less than Geraldo Perdoma. He's l- Perdomo, he's less than Ahmed Rosario. He's less than Michael Garcia, your guy for the Royals. Yeah. Now, he plays more consistently than most of those get players, so that might make him more valuable overall. but the, but the point is that's the, that's the level of productivity that Orlando Arcia has measured up to, which is not very impressive, right?
0: Probably doesn't help that he bats in the bottom of the lineup, right? So probably right, that's
1: that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So he's on pace for 58 RBI, 69 runs. Yeah. He did have an IL stint, so he's on pace for only on pace for only 133 games cuz he did miss some time in there with like what was it, a fractured wrist or something like that. But even so, it's the per game production speaks for itself.
0: It's so interesting because, you know, typically there's a lot going on on a given night. Scott's so all I'll look at monthly numbers or post-All-Star break numbers, right? And when I see what Orlando Arcee is doing in the second half, you know, 329 batting average, five homers, and an OPS just over a 1,000, I just kind of assume, wow, he's playing really well. But, you know, sometimes just it doesn't translate as much to fantasy for those reasons you mentioned. Batting in the bottom of the lineup, not getting as many plate appearances, things like that. So, I mean, if, if you just look at his
1: slash line, it's very Dansby Swanson-like. And, of course, Swanson was... Particularly his last couple of years in Atlanta, a, a, a bigger deal in fantasy. But no, last year he was batting second, and that makes a big difference. Second yeah. versus batting eighth
0: it certainly does. I'll give you four names here, Scott: Jake Cronenworth, Jeremy Pena, Jeff McNeil, Tim Anderson. They're all rostered in more leagues than Orlando Arcia.
1: Swanson had more steals too. It's worth pointing out. Uh, okay, go ahead. Sorry, who were they again?
0: Cronenworth, Pena, Jeff McNeil. Tim Anderson, would you drop any or all for Orlando Arcia?
1: I mean, look, I, I don't think any are. I, I don't. I don't put any. I don't. None are a particularly higher priority for me than than uh, an Arcia. Now, of them, Anderson get hot and you know, deliver the best note. Like, does he have the most upside? Yeah, probably. But he's also been the least productive this year of that group. So at, in, in early August, is that who you're going to roll with? Probably not. I don't know. I think I'd just go with the hottest of that group. Uh, said McNeil, Anderson, Arcea, and who was the fourth? Cronenworth. Cronenworth. Yeah. Probably not him. Yeah. I mean, it might just be Arcia because it, particularly if you're talking about a roto league, which you probably are if if, if if you're thinking of putting him in your lineup. You're probably in a league with that extra middle infield spot. And of that group, he's the least likely to drag down your batting average. So, yeah, Orlando Arcee is probably at the top of the list if you're forcing me to order them.
0: I keep waiting for Jeremy Pena to do more this season, and it's it just hasn't happened, you know. 10 homers, 10 steals, okay, a little power and speed, but a two thirty nine batting average. For some reason, Dusty Baker, you know, Now he's actually lowering him in the lineup a little bit. But for a long time, he would just keep batting Jeremy Pena second, even though he wasn't really doing much. So um, I think there's a player in there, but he hasn't really shown much this
1: season. So There's a player in there. There's
0: a player in there. Yeah, it's my my old school baseball analysis. Let's take our first break. When we return, we've got some Royals hitters we want to talk about. Michael Massey, Drew Waters playing a little bit better recently. We'll talk about those names right after this. Welcome back, and a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter. The Fantasy Baseball Today Twitter account is at FBT Pod, where usually tweet out the links to the YouTube uh, shows and to the audio podcast feeds. We tweet out some short clips that we make as well. You can follow Scott at CBS Scott White and follow me at Roto underscore Frank. Let's talk about some Royals hitters here, Scotty. Michael Massey went two for four with his 10th home run and uh, hitting for more power here in the second half. I know you have some arbitrary endpoints that I, I I would like to hear about Michael Massey. Okay. Um. Well, do you, you want to talk about Massey first or do you want to talk about him and Drew Waters together? Ah, just talk about Massey, then we'll talk about Waters. We'll
1: do one at a time. Yeah. Keep everybody's mind Focused here on Michael Massey, who, of course, is a player that I had an affection for at the start of the year. Hasn't gone well. But in his last 18 starts, 18 games, to use the most favorable arbitrary endpoint, Michael Massey is batting 274 with six home runs, four doubles, two steals. Six home runs in 18 games. You know, he's, he's on a bit of a power binge here. Is it impressive enough that I'm rushing out to pick up Michael Massey over an Orlando Arcia, for instance? No, it is not. But let's see if 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 it if it is like if if he does have the kind of upside in him, if there is a player in there, in Michael Massey's <laughs> case, like I thought there was at the start of the year. You know, it has to it has to begin somewhere. The turnaround has to begin somewhere. Maybe we'll look back at this arbitrary endpoint as the start of the turnaround. But I'm not. I'm not expressing much optimism for Massey at this point.
0: For those who play in deep leagues, Scott, I was desperate for a middle infielder uh, this past weekend in my 15-team leagues. Michael Massey was out there. A few other names that I had bids on, Luis Arias, who's been playing recently for the Red Sox. Brendan Rodgers recently returned for the Rockies, even though he was out of the lineup here on Tuesday. And there was one other name, Bryce Terrain. So four names, Bryce Terang, Michael Massey, Brendan Rogers, Luis Arias. Very deep leagues, middle infielder. Who do you like most of that group?
1: I think I'm going to default to Rogers because he is going to play most consistently, I would assume. And obviously he has the course factor. That doesn't mean I'm like, in on Rodgers necessarily but you're you're you're, choo- you're you're telling me to pick between a bunch of bad options and so that's my choice.
0: All right. Well, let's slide over to Drew Waters who went 3 for 5 with a sock and a shoe, his seventh home run of the season and his seventh steal. He's gone through some hot stretches stretches this season. Uh, he's also gone through some cold ones. That's going to happen when you strike out 35% of the time, but last 6 games for Drew Waters, he's got three home runs, two steals, uh, he does barrel up the ball pretty consistently, 12%. He's pretty fast, 85th percentile sprint speed. So I think there's an interesting player somewhere in there, Scott. Uh, 7% rostered, but we're talking about very deep leagues. Any interest in Drew Waters?
1: So did you give the arbitrary endpoint stats for him?
0: I only mentioned the last six games. I think you have uh, uh, further, back, further back. I him. go back
1: 38 games with Drew Waters, a much larger sample than six games. And in his last 38 games, he's batting 276. Six home runs, seven steals. Basically, most of his season total in those two measurements. uh, With an average exit velocity of 90.1 miles per hour. Pretty good. Still a 33.6% strikeout rate during that stretch. And it's hard to imagine Drew Waters is going to strike out much less than that. Looking at his minor league tracker, could never got much better down there. But... Could he be a power-speed threat in spite of that? It, stranger things have happened. It's not the best ballpark, and uh, he may have trouble help delivering a batting average. So I think it's a low-end outcome either way. But he is—he—he he does have enough like raw tools that Drew Waters, uh, at least in deeper leagues, could still find a way to have an impact. Wow, is that a tepid endorsement <laughs> or what? It's it's not meant to be much of an endorsement.
0: Right, yeah. Again, this is a player we're talking about in 15-team, five outfielder leagues. He's only 7% rostered, so he's cl- clearly widely available. Uh, a name that you've talked about that you like quite a bit, Scott, is Alec Burleson. Who would you rather have, Burleson or Drew Waters?
1: Oh, I mean, if, if Burleson is given a chance to... To run if he's given runway. Burleson. Burleson's look good. I mean, he kind of has been given runway here.
0: Uh, has only started one of the past three games again. Well, but. Started the were, three
1: before that. Two of them were lefties, right? Uh, not entirely sure. I'll double check that. Yeah. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday, the Cardinals were facing a lefty. So they, they've been playing him strictly against right-handers. Um. But with Brendan Donovan being out for the year, that's opened up new playing time for Burleson. Uh, as I pointed out the last time we talked about him, good exit velocities, whether you're talking max or average, great strikeout rate. Uh, I don't have the exact number, but it's, it's like around 12%. And a guy who hit well over 300 from start to finish in the minors last year, I think... I think I think there is a legit hitter in there. We keep talking about the, the hidden player inside of <laughs> these actual not very good players. And Burleson's case, I think there's a good hitter. So, you know, again, we're not, I, I feel like most of the players we're talking about here aren't particularly actionable. They are highly available, but they're more of a, oh, look what they've done here recently. Maybe, maybe there's more to come if you just want somebody to monitor.
0: All right. Something else that might be more actionable, Scott... Jordan Walker. Is it potentially time to drop Jordan Walker in some shallower leagues? 0 for 4 with three strikeouts on Tuesday. Scuffling big time in the second half. Uh, batting 195 with a 543 OPS. 26% strikeout rate. Hitting a lot more fly balls, which has kind of killed his bad up here so far in the second half. And I know typically we want hitters to raise their launch angle, hit more line drives, put the ball in the air. Usually good things happen. That leads to extra base hits. And especially for someone like Jordan Walker, who hits the ball as hard as he does. But I also, there's like a little give and take because if he's so used to just hitting the ball on the ground, like you don't want him to change himself too much. And it just, it might be throwing him off right now. I guess basically I think that's the point. Um, he's 87% roster scout. What do you think about potentially dropping Jordan Walker in some of these, uh, you know, 12-team points leagues or 12-team head-to-head category leagues.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with it. If you're not in a position where you're you're asking for a miracle at third base or outfield, the two positions where he's eligible, then I'd, I'd rather roster somebody more usable than Jordan Walker. He's a detriment to your lineup now. I mean, the underlying skills still look great. I'm not out on him long-term, but, uh, you know, August is not is not the best time for prospective pickups to you know stash away and hope they figure it out. There's, there's not much season left. If you need something more startable right now, I think it's fine to swap Jordan Walker out for that. Just to contextualize all of this, Jordan Walker is still way more rosterable than Michael Massey and yes. Drew Waters and Alec Burleson. We're talking about different categories of player. But I am surprised how high... Jordan Walker's roster rate is, given the way he's performed here.
0: Would you drop him for either Nolan Jones
1: or Joey Manessas who we spoke about earlier? I might drop him for Jones, not Manessas.
0: Would you drop him for yesterday? We spoke about Sal Frelick and James Outman.
1: Uh, maybe, maybe Frelick.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit tougher at third base if you've been relying on Jordan Walker, which. I mean, if you have, then that means your third base position has probably been uh, pretty much a letdown so far this season. The names that are out there, like maybe an Eugenio Suarez or Jake Berger, there's there's yeah. really not much. I mean, we spoke about Wilmer Flores, but eh. I mean, I think
1: as of right now, Wilmer Flores is more startable than than Jordan Walker. I think Flores, as we discussed, is going to cool off, and so... It may just be better to hold on to the higher upside player there in Walker, but I wouldn't I wouldn't blame anybody if they're particularly if it's a head to head league and you're fighting to 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 claim a playoff spot. You can't you can't afford to think too far ahead. All right.
0: That is Jordan Walker. Let's slide over to some waiver wire pitchers here. Um, not the greatest night, I would say, for waiver wire pitchers. I do have three names written down here Braxton Garrett. A quality start at the Reds. Six innings, two runs, three strikeouts for him. Uh, velocity was up around one to one and a half miles per hour on each of his uh, main pitches here, and you know he's he's been solid. Uh, Braxton Garrett, seventy-eight percent rostered, so yeah, it's probably like a ten or ten-team league or or a twelve-team you know points league, something that's really shallow. of Braxton Garrett's out there, Jamison Tyone has pitched well over his last six starts now. He's got a 217 ERA and a 102 whip during that spin. And uh, looks like he is on track for a pretty good schedule moving forward. If what I saw is correct, the White Sox, the Tigers, and the Pirates, the next three scheduled starts for Jamison Tyone. And uh, Wade Miley, strong start against the Rockies, six innings, one run, uh, only two strikeouts here. But I don't know how he's done it all year, Scott, but a 290 ERA, a 1.13 whip for uh, Wade Miley. Any interest in those three? Miley, Tyone, and Braxton Garrett?
1: I would consider them sub-glob. So <laughs> it would have to be an emergency situation, one where I'm you know, really selling out for volume if they happen to line up for two starts or uh, you know, just need to plug in somebody with a good matchup because my entire pitching staff has been decimated by injury, which some people may be in that situation right now. But i i don't think I don't think in the long run any of Braxton Garrett, Jameson Tyone, Wade Miley is going to be a pitcher we're going to be thanking our lucky stars for.
0: <laughs> um, you mentioned two starts coming up, and you know things can change, and we'll let you know more on Friday's podcast. But it looks like Braxton Garrett gets the Astros and the Dodgers next week, rough, and Wade Miley um, also. How is this possible? No, it's Dodgers and Rangers. Okay, Wade Miley gets the Dodgers and Rangers. So either way, both of those guys have uh, two rough matchups for next week. As I mentioned with Tyon, the matchups do look a lot better
1: uh, for him. You're not going to bleep me out for saying yuck, are you?
0: Uh, Unless you uh, mistake a letter like, you know, you have done in the past, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I assume you're not taking any of those pitchers over Gavin Williams, Cole Reagans, or Chase Silseth, who we spoke about yesterday.
1: No way.
0: All right, let's talk some news and notes. We had a Ronald Acuna scare after he got hit by a pitch on his left elbow. He left the game early, but thankfully X-rays came back negative. Rays manager Kevin Cash said, Shane McClanahan is, quote, highly unlikely to pitch again this season. He also said surgery is a possibility for our friend Shane O'Mac, which could severely hinder his value next season as well.
1: Yeah. They're they're really dancing around it. They're 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 not revealing much, but they're everything they are revealing is confirming our worst fears. So I don't know. Hopefully we hear something good, but it's not it's not sounding more optimistic. Scott, you live in Florida.
0: You might be able to sign up for some kind of you know pitching auditions or something. <laughs> sign uh, up for the Tampa Bay Rays next year, because like who's gonna who's gonna be their pitching staff next season? I. Between all like Shane McClanahan, look, I hope it's not the worst case scenario, but it could be. They also have Drew Rasmussen surgery, Jeffrey Springs. It's
1: who's going to pitch for this team? Well, maybe they were thinking ahead, and that's what that Aaron Savale trade was all about. Maybe they do have some more trade ships remaining. Certain Jonathan Aranda, Aranda? I think is owed an opportunity yeah. elsewhere.
0: Curtis Mead, who knows?
1: Yeah, him too. Sure.
0: We'll see. Uh, Kevin Cash did express hope that Tyler Glassnow will be able to start Saturday against the Guardians. Glassnow was scratched from his previous start due to back discomfort. Mike Trout recently progressed to hitting soft toss. He's been out since July 3rd with a ham bone injury and should be back sometime in August. Blue Jays GM Ross Atkins said Bo was, quote, moving around with very few symptoms, almost not at all, during a workout on Monday. Uh, so, Hopefully, Bo Bichette could be back
1: soon. I don't know what very few symptoms means, but... Yeah. I mean, how many symptoms does anybody have at once? (laughs) I don't know. Only like two or three, right?
0: Yeah, it's... uh, It's a weird word to use, I guess, for a knee injury, too. I mean, it's like... It's either he's kind of moving around gingerly or not, right? It feels like that would be the case. I don't know. I hope he's back soon, though. Jordan Romano scheduled to throw another bullpen session on Wednesday. He could skip a minor league rehab assignment. And rejoin the Blue Jays when first eligible this weekend, assuming everything goes well. Carlos Rodan will continue to throw on flat ground in hopes that he will only need the minimum 15 days on the IL. He's out with a low grade left hamstring strain. Jonathan India did not return on Tuesday, and now it sounds like he'll be back Friday at the earliest. He's currently dealing with plantar fasciitis in his left foot. Trevor Story was activated, batting third for the Red Sox on Tuesday. He finished 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. You know, might take take some time here. Uh, shake off
1: some rust for Trevor Story. He We won't judge him on just one game.
0: Yeah, he struck out quite a bit last year as well. So, uh, you know, kind of comes with the territory. Justin Turner has missed two straight with a left heel contusion that's been bothering him since the end of July. J.D. Martinez also scratched from the lineup due to that lingering hamstring injury. Starling Marte received an injection in his right groin, which as soon as I read it, it just sounds super painful. I can't imagine getting like a, I don't know, a needle in your groin. It sounds pretty bad. Uh, He was placed in the IL Monday with that groin strain. Brian Wu was placed on the IL due to right forearm inflammation. Managers, uh, Mariners, not managers, GM Justin Hollander said that there is, quote, no real concern with uh, Brian Wu. Emerson Hancock will be promoted on Wednesday and he's a, Former first-round pick, has struggled in the minors this season, a 432 ERA, a 123 whip, just over a strikeout branding. He's been better recently, his last four mm-hmm. starts, Scott, but uh, I don't know, is this a name that needs to be on our radar, Emerson Hancock?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not as exciting as like when Gavin Williams got called up. It might be about as exciting as when Brian Wu got called up. He is. You say he's a former first-round pick. To to be more precise, he was the sixth overall pick in 2020, and hasn't quite lived up to that draft standing. But obviously, that's a high standard to live up to. You, you said his last four starts were good. His last ten starts, Emerson Hancock has a 2.97 ERA, and that's including a nine-run outing in that ten-start stretch. So if you take that out, I mean, he's been he's been brilliant. The random number generator applies to minor league pitchers, too. You can have (laughs) a guy uh, excel that consistently and then just a random nine-run outing in there. Uh, Because he isn't a big strikeout guy, I would bet against him being more than a streamer type in fantasy, but he has the potential to be that. He has the potential to be part of the glob, does Emerson Hancock. But that, of course, depends on him, A, performing, and B, Sticking in the rotation for a while.
0: Only 12% rostered is Emerson Hancock. So, you know, even in those deeper leagues, if you're desperate for pitching, he is a, a name to watch. Let's see what he does on Wednesday. Logan O'Hoppe started a rehab assignment at Single A Tuesday. He had surgery on a torn labrum back in April and should be back at some point later this month and is definitely a name to pay attention to in two catcher leagues. Brendan Rogers was scratched from the lineup due to right hamstring discomfort. Tyler O'Neill scratched due to left knee tightness. John means business is scheduled to begin a rehab assignment Thursday at double A nearly 16 months removed from Tommy John surgery. 13% rostered. If you are uh, looking for a pitcher stash at this point, Willie Adamas was out of the lineup for two straight as his uh, manager, Craig council wanted to give Adamas a mental break. It's, been a rough season for Adamus. Uh, Same thing with Seiya Suzuki. He's been out of the lineup four straight games uh, to, to give him a little mental break as well. And Zach Ranke was placed in the IL with a sore right elbow. Let's take our final break. When we return, I do have some pitching duels, a few leftovers. We'll get to that right after this. Welcome back in, and let's talk about some pitching duels that we had two of them here on Tuesday night. It's time to do, 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 do. First up, we had Miles Michaelis at Zach Eflin. Michaelis went seven innings, allowed two runs with five strikeouts in that one. He uh, limited the hard contact. Velocity was up a little bit here for Miles Michaelis. Only 71% rostered, so could be out there. And looks like he is in line to face the A's and the Mets next week in a two-star week. That sounds pretty good to me. And uh, Zach Eflin, a strong start on the other side. Seven innings, one run, eight strikeouts to zero walks. Also did a good uh, job limiting the hard contact. And he has allowed one walk or fewer in 17 of 22 starts. The control for Zach Eflin this year has been a career best. And, you know, no surprise. He figures out how to throw strikes once he joins the Tampa Bay Rays. But uh, a great season here for Zach Eflin. Scott, any interest in Miles Michaelis as a waiver wire pitcher?
1: Well, I mean, he's he's been... Sort of the 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 poster child of the random number generator effect happening at starting pitcher. Remember, I referred to him as that heading into this start. Uh, I said he, I, I said against the Rays, he would either give you seven shutout innings or seven earned runs in three innings, and he didn't quite give you either of those exactly, but he came closer to the former: two earned runs in seven. And actually, Miles Michaelis. Uh, uh, amid all the ups and downs, has a 3.63 ERA and one fourteen whip over his last 18 starts. So if you've just stuck with him that whole time, you're probably pretty happy with the outcome. Not a lot of strikeouts, but you weren't expecting those in the first place. Because he's a random number generator, I can't look at his two matchups next week, Mets, A's, and say, oh, he's for sure going to be amazing, but... He gets two bites at the Apple, and I think that makes him uh, worth streaming.
0: Would you take him over Braxton Garrett, who we mentioned earlier? Yes. Same thing with uh, Tyone and Wade Miley? I would. I think would so. You? Uh you? I, I like what Tyone is doing right now, and I like those matchups coming up, too. It's close. Probably take Michaelis. Cubs lineup is playing better right now. It's close. Yeah, I'll take Michaelis, but, um, you know. Tyone for those matchups. Don't forget. Uh, the next pitching duel that we had, Yusei Kikuchi at Tanner Bidey. And Kikuchi, uh, seven innings, one run, six strikeouts for him. He's down to a 353 ERA on the season. The whip a little bit high, um, over a strikeout per inning. It seems like Kikuchi, for all of his years of tinkering and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't, he's kind of found something this year. Four-seam fastball, slider, curveball. That three-pitch mix has worked pretty well here for you. Kikuchi. Uh, he's up to 88% rostered, so not really much actionable with him. Tanner. Bybee, uh has, I don't know, at this point arguably been the most consistent rookie pitcher this year. Am I forgetting anybody? I mean, I you know Kodai Senga has been a little bit more inconsistent, but the point is Tanner bybee has been great seven shutout innings, six strikeouts for him, a two ninety two ERA, the whip a little bit high for him as well. Scott, any thoughts here on uh, Bybee versus Kikuchi?
1: Well, I wouldn't get too sanguine about Kikuchi because he's his ERA is below, well below all of his ERA estimators, which are over four. Whether you're looking at xERA, xFIP, FIP. None of them like him very much. And the main reason why is he's so vulnerable to the long ball. He's managed to avoid that recently. So his ERA, uh, what did you say it was currently? Kikuchi's ERA is... 353. uh, 353. It was just four starts ago. It was 413. and uh, That means he's he's pitching really well, Scott. (laughs) Well, for four starts, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean... (laughs) It, it, we, could go, we could go back through Kikuchi's career and see a lot of four-start stretches where we thought he was the real deal. I, probably not. He's probably not. Okay. Um, and I think because of his home run tendency, he's, he's even more vulnerable than most pitchers to a real blow-up start. So that's what I have to say about Kikuchi. I, I, don't, I don't think you need to cling to him so tightly if, if dropping him is your path to getting Gavin Williams or Chase Silseth. I think I kept calling Cole Silseth yesterday, Chase Silseth, or the actual Cole, Cole Reagans. i take any of them over Kakuchi myself. But we do also need to talk about Tyler, uh, Tanner Bybee. Tanner Bybee, I almost called him Tyler. <laughs> too, many, too many names, too many kids to keep up with. Tanner Bybee, you want arbitrary endpoints for him? Yes. Last eight starts, a 168 ERA, 112 whip, 9.3K per nine. And that whip, you know, that's the bad number there, 112 for being a 168 ERA. That's inflated because he had three starts during that eight-start stretch with four walks. Not something we expect to be a longstanding issue for Bybee. His control was amazing in the minors, and I think it'll eventually it'll eventually come out that way in the majors too. But just overall, it shows how well he's pitching, even, even with the few, um, even, even with his control spazzing out from time to time.
0: I kind of threw out that rhetorical question about Tanner Bobby being the most consistent rookie. You know, I have four rookie pitchers ranked between six spots of each other in, in my starting pitcher rankings. Andrew Abbott, Kodai Senga, Yuri Perez,
1: and Tanner Bybee. How would you rank those four, Scott? Senga, Perez, Abbott, Bybee. Okay. i put Bybee last, but him and Abbott are pretty close at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I know Abbott's, yeah, he's gotten touched up a little bit recently, but uh, obviously he was amazing before that, so not going to hold that uh, too much against him. Some uh, pitching leftovers here. Part one, Sonny Gray posted his second double-digit strikeout start of the season. He was... At the Tigers, where he allowed three runs over six innings with 10 strikeouts and 17 swinging strikes. Uh, On the other side, Eduardo Rodriguez put together a strong start as well. Seven shutout with five strikeouts for him. Grayson Rodriguez turned in his second quality start of the season facing the Astros. Obviously, it's a pretty tough matchup here. a, A big test for Grayson Rodriguez. And he went six innings, two runs allowed, four strikeouts. Velocity remains way up. And now in five stars since returning from the minors, a 345 ERA and a 108 whip for G-Rod. Any thoughts on him, G-Rod, E-Rod, and Sonny Gray? Well,
1: it's hard to find anything else to say about Sonny Gray and Eduardo Rodriguez at this point. I think people know what they're dealing with there. Grayson Rodriguez, I mean, this was obviously a fine start. It justifies using him in the 2 start week, as I suggested you do. It's still... We still haven't seen him. I think really have his breakout start, and you know a lot of the underlying numbers—the swinging strike rate, the velocity—being it was way up again in this start. It it points to a better pitcher being trapped in there. Another example of that, but I I just think I I think Grayson Rodriguez is really on the cusp of breaking through, and if this is him at less than his final form, that's something to be excited about.
0: Grayson Rodriguez up to 82% rostered. So maybe in the shallowest leagues, just check to see if he's available, uh, available because he should not be again, the name there, Grayson Rodriguez pitching leftovers part two, Julio Arias turned in a strong start at the D backs, six shutout innings with five strikeouts for him. Max Scherzer had a great start at the A's seven innings, one run, six strikeouts and Lucas Giolito with a bounce back performance against the Giants. We know last time out, he got uh, crushed by the Atlanta Braves. But he goes six innings, three runs, seven strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes, velocity up around one mile per hour on all of his pitches. So a encouraging performance from Giolito. Scott, anything on him, Scherzer, and Arias?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we'd seen the last of Giolito being a useful starter in fantasy. But I, I think he's per, firmly part of the glob. Even even before the, the those couple rough starts with the Angels, he was... He was looking like a, a an obvious overachiever by the underlying stats. So, you know, he's he's a better he, he's he's on the better end of the glob because he when he pitches well he'll go six plus. He's, he's likely to give you a strikeout per inning if not better. But I don't think we should necessarily treat him as must start in in leagues that are twelve teams or shallower or uh, or or. or Give him a lot of deference in trade discussions and, and leagues where that's still a possibility. Moving to Alito. Uh The other one I wanted to comment on here Arias Scherzer. No, I guess not. Arias seems to have turned things around and that's nice. And I still think Scherzer's good. All right,
0: let's get into some bullpen updates here for Tampa Bay. Pete Fairbanks allowed a solo homer but picked up his 15th save. For the Marlins, David Robertson struck out two for his. 16th save. We mentioned earlier what happened with uh, Felix Bautista out there in Baltimore. For the Astros, Ryan Presley struck out one for his 27th save. For the Pirates, David Bednar entered the ninth inning with a one run lead. He gave up three runs, took his third blown save, and second loss. On the other side, Rysel Iglesias walked one, but uh, picked up his 21st save of the year. For the Cubs, Edward Alzali picked up his 15th save. For the Guardians, Emmanuel Class A allowed two hits, but locked down his 30th save for the Nationals in game two of their doubleheader. Kyle Finnegan struck out two for his 18th save. And you know, Scott, Kyle Finnegan has turned his season around. 2.70 ERA, 1.12 whip, right around a strikeout per inning. He's 53% rostered. Who would you rather have, Albert Alzali or Kyle Finnegan?
1: Alzali, but yeah, Finnegan's looked a lot better and... I mean, he may have locked up that closer role for next year, too. I think, I think people were, were looking to him as a, a trade candidate at some point for the Nationals. Obviously, that opportunity is passed. He's still there. He's pitching as well as he has all year, really, for his entire career. Uh, Hunter Harvey was getting saves before going on the IL, and it seemed like maybe a transition was on the verge of happening there, but maybe not. Finnegan seems to have locked it down again.
0: Yeah, and uh, I dropped him in a 15-team Roto League earlier this year. You know, again, it looked like... I dropped
1: Craig Kimbrell in one, so... Uh,
0: It looked like Hunter Harvey was taking over, which you mentioned, and the Nationals are not a good team, so I just kind of thought it was over for uh, Kyle Finnegan, but I was wrong, because uh, he's really turned it around. For the Mariners, Andres Munoz struck out one for his sixth save, uh, and I think he's still only like 70% rostered, so please, just... In any shallow
1: league... Munoz should not be available. Go at him. I used my last 10 fab dollars on him in a 10-team league. A 10-team league where saves are overvalued worth 10 points apiece, but nonetheless, I had been hey. I'd been having to make do with all the Scott McGuff's of the world and was tired of it.
0: There you go. Uh, makes sense. For the Angels, we know Carlos Estevez imploded on Monday night. Dominic Leone uh, pitched two innings for his first save of the season. So something to watch with the angels for the Dodgers. Evan Phillips picked up his 15th save of the year. Let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream on Wednesday. Who did we say yesterday? Uh, I don't think we liked this group very much. Um, but Nick Pavetta has been added to the list. He's facing the Royals. So
1: is he for sure starting? I don't know. Likes to follow an opener. And by the way, we didn't get to it the rest of the show, but, um, uh, Cutter Crawford's much ballyhooed start against that same Royals lineup didn't go well. He allowed three runs on seven hits and three and a third innings. Yeah, short start. It did have six strikeouts, did have 20 swinging strikes on 78 pitches. So there's still a lot to like there in the underlying stats for Cutter Crawford, but he didn't come through with a very favorable matchup. So that, that has to give you some pause with Nick Pavetta. Right. I still think he's probably the best of the streamer options here on the list.
0: According to MLB.com, Nick Pavetta will be starting on Wednesday. Yeah. So that's that's the most reliable source. I, I think he's, uh, yeah, he's up there. Uh, I mentioned Kyle Hendricks at the Mets yesterday. Graham Ashcraft versus
1: the Marlins. Adrian, uh, that's probably two and three, but uh, I'd, I'd be scared to use either of them.
0: How about Adrian Hauser facing the Rockies in Milwaukee? No? No. No. Okay. Uh, what about Logan Allen versus the Blue Jays? I don't think so. No. Uh, Clevenger versus the Yankees?
1: No. <laughs> <All> <laughs> don't, right. don't, don't make me give you another yes. Come on. <laughs> Just,
0: all right. Fair enough. Let's get over to Thursday. It is a smaller slate, so we don't have great options here. In fact, ugh,
1: it's bad. It's even worse. Dean Kramer
0: versus the Astros, but...
1: Ah, the Astros. That's a random number generator that spit out a lot of bad recently. So maybe it's due. I think the only other one maybe is Zach Littell versus the
0: Cardinals. He's pitched okay for the Rays recently.
1: Nah. All
0: right. I don't play it. Stay away on Thursday and uh, find some streamers here on Wednesday. Speaking of Wednesday, it's Team Name Wednesday, Scott. Let's wrap up with these. And from, uh, these are some from, that I got on Twitter from Yair. I assume that's Yair, right? Jair? Well, the
1: Braves, you, you may be too young for this, Frank. Oh, I remember a him. pitcher named Jair Jurgens, who spelled his name <laughs> J-A-I-R just like this. In fact, he was mentioned as throwing a no-hitter in the movie Trouble with the Curve. Of course, he never threw a no-hitter, probably never came close. He was a pretty hittable pitcher. But that is a a fun fact that Jair Jurgens is immortalized in that movie.
0: I don't know. Maybe that, that is what I'm thinking about. I feel like he had a
1: a really good start like that. He really, he never, oh, t- he, had a, he had a couple of really good seasons, but right. low strikeout guy. Yeah. I no. think he may have had a 20 win season.
0: No, he never did throw no hitter. I, I thought oh, for some reason he did. Season. 14 was the career high,
1: but he had a, a stretch of three for the Braves, 2018 through 2011, was- th- three seasons where he won 13 plus games with good ERAs, uh war of 6.5 one year.
0: Mm. Yeah. He did have a one-hit shutout against the Orioles back on. Okay, uh,
1: so he did come close.
0: July 1st, 2011. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was in college. That, that was a long time ago. Anyway, the point is, the team name here is Lean With It, Rock With It.
1: With I the, was working uh, for CBS.
0: With the Bobby Witts. Okay, sure. Uh, it's a classic song by Dem Franchise Boyd Scott. I uh, highly recommend you check it out. From Daniel, uh, <laughs> Gallo for four. Ah, uh, that's pretty good. Going, going, Pagan. Okay. Sweet Carol Line.
1: Mm, okay. <laughs> kind of a stretch. The Globfather. Yeah. Glob. It's really the, inside baseball, but uh, sure.
0: The glob the Builder.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Sponge Glob Squarepants. Uh huh. Traveling Around the Glob.
1: Okay, <laughs> not good glob.
0: I think it's supposed to be not great. Not great glob. Not great glob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these are from the email address, at com. This one's from Micah. Get off my lawn. That's pretty good. <laughs> it does remind me because that's your team name and you have a similar team name in the Dynasty League. So maybe you should it's, take that one, Scott.
1: It's just get off my lawn. But yeah. I'm thinking of changing it yeah. after... Uh, how long has that Dynasty League been around? Ten years? Think of changing that team name finally.
0: Yeah. Uh, you probably started it when I was still in college, Scott. Uh, from Lamont, Ashcraft Bandit.
1: All right. Chris would love that because it's from Community. <laughs> yeah. It's one of his most referenced shows. Yeah, I've never uh, I've never seen it, but I've heard good things. I watched it. I watched it pretty recently. It sounds familiar. I don't remember exactly what it is <laughs> referring to, though. This one's from Scott, not Scott White. For whom the
0: Bellinger tolls. Mm-hmm. Very uh, relevant right now. Obviously, saw some Metallica this past weekend. From Ben, scoobble Woo Badoo, where
1: are you? Okay, so you okay. get you. You know, and anytime you reference you, you got to get that extra player name in there. Yeah, Scuba Woo Badoo all right that's not bad I've, I've heard worse the worst uses of four names <laughs> from
0: john tyler made of glass now <laughs> that's not very nice <laughs> that's not nice come on from derek zoolander justin blue
1: steel i don't think derek zoolander actually sent that in <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear
0: scott the email's real uh and the next one is lars marsbar all <laughs> right. <Cool. laughs> From Omar, these are 90s hip hop edition. Can I KK It? Mm-hmm. You down with OBP. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good blood day. Okay. Bibi got back. Mm-hmm. Fight the Lower. Oh yeah. Nemo Money Perdomo Problems. Inspired oh. by Heath. <laughs> all right Uh, okay lastly i was scrolling through all of our team name tuesday emails i was catching up on some older ones i think we i think we actually missed team name tuesday last week because it was the trade deadline it was crazy Uh, a gentleman named john emails in that both him and his wife listened to the show and he had a request i'm a, a few weeks late but happy belated birthday to jess so if you are out there listening we do appreciate the support from both of you uh thank you we do uh do appreciate you we're gonna wrap there for scott i am frank thanks as always for tuning in to fantasy baseball today please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on apple or spotify and we will be back again tomorrow Bye bye